Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Skate Podcast on weei.com. Bobby Orr, behind the net, the status and the For the first time in 39 years, the Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup. Talking Bruins and NHL. Sure, old-time hockey. Like it is sure. With writer and producer Brian DeFelice. Brian DeFelice is an emerging talent. Bridget Prue. Yeah, he's a little bit on the hot seat. Burn him! And WEEI.com Bruins writer Scott McLaughlin. Oh, hey, Scott. Lace him up for some bees talk right now. I'm a damn the Skate Pod on WEEI. Welcome into episode 115 of the Skate Podcast. I'm Brian DeFelice, joined by Bridget Crew and Scott McLaughlin. And Scott, I'm going to throw it to you real quick because the Bruins have made significant roster um, moves in the last couple of days, sending guys to waivers, through waivers, clearing waivers, sending guys down to Providence. Um, so I'll just toss it to you and we'll, and we'll discuss some of the major ones. Yeah, so it uh, started on Tuesday. They put Oscar Steen, Connor Carrick, and Nick Wolf on waivers, all cleared and will be assigned to Providence. They also sent Victor Berglund, Mike Callahan, and Kai Wisman to Providence. I'd say no surprises there. Maybe Steen, but that, you know, um, he really didn't have that great of a camp. Uh, and then came Thursday with many more cuts, nine cuts on Thursday. Most surprising of which was Mark McLaughlin, which I, you know we're going to get into, but also sent Johnny Beecher, Fabian Lysel, Jack Ashan, and Kyle Kaiser to Providence, and put Una Kapanen, Vinny Letary, Dan Renouf, and Keith Kincaid on waivers, all uh, with the purpose of being assigned to Providence if they clear. Yeah, and I had I had Scott read off those names because I didn't want to have to butcher uh, Kopanen's first name. So that you was just the, did. I, there. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I might have butchered his last name. So yeah, I think I think you had had it right, Kopanen. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, look, obviously, Oscar Steen is a player who I'm I'm not sure if you guys are surprised he got waived or even more surprised that he got through waivers, but he's definitely a player we kind of anticipated that might be his fate based off of his camp and just not really standing out amongst his peers. Um, I think the latter Steen, I'm not surprised that he ended up being cut and which meant he had to be waived. Um, but I am a little bit more surprised that he made it through waivers. He was one of those guys that it could have went either way with. I feel like um, at the end of the day, no one decided that they wanted to take a chance on him. So he ends up back in Providence. That's what the Bruins were hoping for. So, I mean, that that's, that was a best case scenario for them in terms of Steen. And now obviously Jackson Nika still with the team, he would be a, another waiver situation that I don't think would go through. Um, and I don't know if you guys get the sense, but I really, I really do sense that he's sticking around with his team. Jackson Nika. Yeah, I believe so. I, I think, you know, if you look at the guys who are still left, um, they might still have another cup cut or two depending on 
specifically Taylor's Taylor Hall's health up front. Uh, you know, his timeline has already changed a couple times where at first it was day to day, then it was week to week. Now it sounds like there's still a chance he's ready by opening night. Um, that was what the, the TNT broadcast on Wednesday night said there was some optimi- optimism he would be ready for the opener. Jim Montgomery has said, you know, he's he's pushing to not be week to week. So he, he was out, him and Matt Grizzlick were both out there uh, Thursday going through regular drills and practice just in non-contact jerseys. But it wasn't like completely devoid of contact. Like they were both doing some some battle drills and kind of, you know, some pushing and bumping around. Just obviously no real hard hitting. Um, Montgomery said Grizzlick's going to be out of a non-contact jersey soon, which is, he could potentially be like, wait, because we, we all thought based on the original timeline, like late October, early November. And I mean, he might be like, a week or a week and a half ahead of that. Like he might not miss many games at all. Uh, So he didn't say anything about like Hall getting out of a non-contact Jersey soon, but the fact that Hall's even, you know, pushing to, to not miss, you know, a week or two puts him at least as a possibility for, for opening night. And, And if he is ready, then I think there would have to be another cut made. And to me, I mean, I would say Jakob Lauko is, is the most likely. He's he does he does not need waivers. He can just be sent down. But the fact that he's still here as kind of I think a bit of a surprise to pretty much everyone. Um he's there for a reason. And he look, he has had a really good preseason. He came on he was coming off a tough year in Providence, which is why I don't think anyone really had him in the conversation for like making this team going into camp. I mean, you know, I know you guys will remember some listeners might as well. When we talked to Mark Diver last year and Brian asked him about, you know, this was what, probably sometime in the second half of the season. And Brian asked him about Lauko and and he basically said, like, he, he's a ways away. Like, he has a lot of work to do. Well, obviously, he must have had a really good offseason because he came into camp and he's been good from the start. He's had multiple, I think, really strong preseason games and Again, while you know, I think he'd probably be the next guy to go if if they have to make another cut. I I guess we shouldn't really rule it out. He on Thursday he skated with the actual what looks like the fourth line with uh, it was with Nosek and Frederick and Frederick, and it was Stanik and Wagner who were skating with Taylor Hall as kind of like the extra line. So um, I guess we can't rule out Lauko uh, being on the opening night roster. I was going to say two things to, to what you just were talking about. Um, I think, you know, we needed, we, we were surprised by, by the Lauco thing. Wagner is also still sticking around. So there's some notable guys that you thought might've been cut on Tuesday or Thursday that are still around. Greer is still around. Um, like I said, Wagner, Lauco, um, and then two guys that we had questioned that were in the roster last year, Felino and Nosek, not surprised that they stick around, but, um, that's just kind of where the team is right now. Strawman as well on defense, still working towards getting a contract on his tryout. So I thought that it was interesting that they kept Lauko also that they are leaving Wagner around for, for at least now. Um, and that McLaughlin in my, in my mind is better than Lauko, but um, you know, he, he goes down uh, 
to Providence for the beginning of the season. Um, Coach Montgomery said it was to focus on some details, um, which, you know, that's kind of a vague answer, but it's like, what details? What, what? And so, um, and then also to the Grizzlick and Hall thing, Scott, you were reporting because you were there that um, you haven't seen either show a visible sign of discomfort. Um, so what do, you, what do you think that means for them? Uh, I think what it means is I'm not, I wouldn't rule out either of them returning sooner than later. It, it would still feel like a stretch to me for Grizzly to be ready for the opener, but I really think like it's possible he only misses two or three games. Like I could see him back within the next two weeks um, because they were, they're both skating hard. They're both shooting. Um, you know, that, that to me was like the most interesting thing to watch with Hall, especially because again, we don't really know exactly what his upper body injury was, but if it was something like an oblique, then, you know, you look at shooting and he was shooting hard. He was cutting hard. Like he was going through drills Grizzly with the shoulder, he was bumping guys around and like, you know, mixing it up a little bit again, not, not going like NHL game level physical, but I would say doing a little bit more than what someone in a non-contact Jersey would usually do. And yeah, like I would watch them after drills and, there wasn't like, you know, the like tweak, you know, or shake or little stretch or whatever. Or wincing. Yeah. They, they, I don't know. They, like, they seemed to be okay. But obviously, there's a reason they're still in non contact for now. So, um, you know, I guess we'll see when they actually get out of that and return to a, a full normal practice. But I think, I don't, I don't think Hall's going to be week to week. I think we're talking like maybe a week. And I, I don't think Grizzly's going to be out till the end of the month either. And, and just another question off that, does that change, if Grizzly comes back sooner, does that change the fate of someone like Anton Strawman? Like maybe they don't see a need to add him to the team right away if they think Grizzly's going to be in like game three or four. Like, do they just try to roll with Clifton and, and you know, decide against keeping Strawman? Or, or how do you think that changes the makeup of the defense? It definitely could be a factor, but I guess the bigger factor is does Strawman upgrade your defense? Because if you think that he does, like if you think he has a role in your top six, regardless of when Grizzlick returns, then I feel like you, you would still be wise to sign him. Like if you think he's a clear upgrade over Clifton, Forboard, Zaboral, whoever. I personally then, do. Then like, wouldn't you want, you know, even, even though, yes, it creates like a challenging numbers game where now you have, eight guys who can play who can and probably should play fairly regularly plus McAvoy coming back in you know another month and a half two months like yes it creates a log jam but again if you think it makes you better then you you sign them and you worry about everything else later yeah it's not going to be a big cap hit either so Brian do you do you think Strawman has shown that he's a better option than than some of the other guys that they've rolled with yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's necessarily that he's a better option, but he is a reliable option. And I think that you can't have too many of those, especially considering the fact that McAvoy is out for the first month and a half. So, you know, it's kind of uh, um, like injuries are going to happen. You're already down your top defenseman. And, you know, it, again, it only takes a, a, a shot block here or, or a strange, you know, check there to make somebody week to week. And you, you just can't you can't 
undervalue uh, how important it is to have legitimate NHL de- uh, depth on defense. And so I think Strawman's game is much different than that of Zaboro um, or Mike Riley. He's just, a, he's, he's more of a steady stay at home, reliable veteran defenseman who look, we saw him lay a nice body contact on, on Sammy Blay uh, in the preseason game down in New York. And Sammy Blay is a, you know, a young physical, pretty skilled player and Strawman is imposing his will there. So I just think it's smart to have him around. I, I don't see any, um, I understand the log jam um, ideology, but again, shit's going to happen throughout the year. There's going to be injuries and you, people are going to have to step up at different times. And sometimes it's not even necessarily injuries, but maybe somebody's just struggling or you just want, ha- you want to have different combinations to tinker with on your blue line, especially in the absence of, of McAvoy. When McAvoy comes back, maybe something has to give, but again, it's never a bad thing to have depth at defense. And he also made a play that impressed me in the first period where um, there was like a tic-tac-toe that was supposed to go to Lafreniere who was crashing, crashing the net and Strawman just got a stick in the lane, just deflected it away. And I think if the pass had made it through, it's an easy goal for Lafreniere. So um, that was one thing that I noticed from him that he stopped a really good scoring chance for, for the Rangers in the first period. Yeah. And he's, he's done that a few times this preseason where like he, he clearly has a very good stick. He's, he's been around long enough where he can read passes. He knows where, where he's supposed to be positionally. And you rarely are going to see him like caught out or kind of turn the wrong way or stick in the wrong spot. Now he was also on the ice for two goals against. And while I don't think either was his fault Wednesday night, he was like right around the net and kind of was part of not really being able to like put out a fire. And again, like at, you know, in one, it's like a bouncing puck and he kind of gets one whack at it and doesn't connect. And it's like, okay, well, that's kind of just like unfortunate missing, you know, hand-eye coordination. Yeah. Are you talking thing. about the one that was 27 seconds into the game? Yeah. So he's, like he's right there in front and you know, the puck's kind of bouncing around and he gets, a, he gets a good whack at it, but he just misses and then it gets buried. Yeah. Basically Kreider had better hand-eye hit the puck out of the air. Wins that battle. Yeah but kind of a weird play in general. So. Yeah. So I, you know, I definitely think he, Brian, I thought you were going to say something, but you're busy eating your keto <laughs> Reese's over there. He's just over here chomping on Reese's and those, those, those look like Tom Brady Reese's. No, I, keto. I, was, I was at CVS and I just grabbed what I saw. I didn't even know it was necessarily keto, but I haven't really had anything to eat today. So I was just trying to get my, uh, my bites in while you guys were talking there, but <laughs> Like I let's bet. let's throw it down to Brian at ice level. <laughs> yeah, yeah, These Reese's are really good, guys. <laughs> Delicious. <laughs> Back to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I will say though, as as it pertains to to Strawman, I do kind of want to tie it into some of the roster moves in, uh, today and yesterday because the Bruins are gonna have cap issues, right? And like something has to give. So again, like not only has somebody like. Nosek and Felino, like they haven't done anything to in preseason to warrant being on, on the opening night roster. Um, you know, except for the fact that they're currently under contract, but they are all, you know, they're, they're making money against the cap. And so if you're trying to sign Strawman, which I would imagine is for, you know, one year and sub sub 1 million, I get that, but they can use every penny that they can, that they can scrap up here. And I just figured that why not have somebody like a McLaughlin who we'll get into that later or, you know, somebody like that, who's obviously cheaper and obviously 
had a better showing in camp, like take up that, that forward spot on, on, on the roster. Now, is it easy to, if you wave Thomas Nosek, is he going to clear? Honestly, he might, because like, I don't know who's really itching to get Thomas Nosek and can you trade him? I don't know. Maybe you have to buy him out. I'm not really sure how that would work. Scott, if they, if they waive Thomas Nosek and then he got through waivers, like, I don't know what would happen. From, like, are they going to, they can't send him to Providence, right? They'd have to buy him out or something. Uh, no, they, they would be able to send him to Providence if he clears waivers and, and he accepts assignment and they would save 1.1 million against the cap. Uh, same with Wagner and Felino. It's, it's the same amount across the board for um, sending a veteran to the AHL who has cleared waivers. So that's an option with all those guys. It, it seems to me like they're basically putting off what they really need to do with those guys as long as possible. And they know, and we talked about this in the context of Felino, but I guess it, it applies to Nozick and Wagner too, is like, they basically, you know, they can put Marshand and McAvoy on long-term IR and that solves every cap issue they need to solve right now. Like the, they then have plenty of money to cover whoever's going to be on the opening night roster. When those guys come back, obviously they're going to need to clear money somewhere. And I just feel like they're, they're saying, you know what? Like we can keep these guys for now. We can keep everyone for now. We can keep all these bodies in the picture for now give them a month and a half, two months, see how they do. And then we make some tough decisions about where we're going to move money from. And that's, uh, by the way, like another thing that can happen if you're signing Strawman and he's cheap is you have, you know, all these three to $3.8 million contracts on defense in Forbort, Riley, Grizzlick. Maybe it's one of those guys you move because now you're deep enough that you you know, can move one of those guys and maybe they have more value and you get something in return. So, you know, there's, they are going to have to make some tough decision at some point, whether that's, you know, waving one of those veteran forwards or two or all three of them, whether it's trying to trade them for something, if there's any value there uh, or whether it's trading a defenseman, but it, it seems like they're, you know, I thought some, we might get at least like one or two of those decisions made by the end of camp, especially up front where, you know, I felt like some younger guys have quite frankly, like outplayed those guys, including Mark McLaughlin who, who got sent down on Thursday. Um, but now the closer we get, now that we're pretty much here and they're, you know, pretty close to their opening night numbers, it seems like they're just going to push that off. They're going to carry it into the season and basically let like all those guys continue to, try out almost like all right Felino no sec Wagner like here's your chance we're not cutting you just based on preseason performance go out and you know show us that you belong over the first however many weeks of the season if I give you this list of of players um that have the potential to be cut which one do you think you'd be most surprised by so Greer is still around. Greer, Wagner, Stanika, Nosik, and Lauko say. Um, which one would you be most surprised to see if it got if it happened? I mean, based off performance in camp, I'll probably say AJ Greer. But then again, for different reasons, Stanika would surprise me because he had a pretty good camp and we all know his story, and he would have to. Uh, you know, he can't go, th- he's whatever, he can't go on waivers, right? So, 
Uh, well, he, he would go on waivers. So he would go on waivers and he, probably he not could get, clear. He waivers. could get claimed. Yeah. Oh, and, right. And that's, you, that, that's you lose him for point. nothing. Which, right, by right. the way, when we did talk to him after after one of the games, he said, I'm not I'm playing for the Bruins. He's like, I want to make this team. But my effort and, you know, how I play in preseason is also I'm also playing for other teams because he, what he's saying is if the Bruins are going to waive me, I want to impress another team that that could be watching and, and might want to claim me on waivers. So he knows that, that in the back of his mind, he knows that's a possibility. Um, I think I also would say Stanika would be the biggest surprise for me if he gets waived. It, it, going into this, no. Like going into this, I thought it could be, you know, it could go either way for him. But now I feel like just because of the fact that he's played well in the preseason and because of the waiver situation, it would just be really stupid and it would look bad um, for him to get put down. I also think he's shown enough to make the team. So I'd be surprised by Stanika. But I also do think Nosik would not necessarily be a surprise based on his play, but it would be like a, a more of a serious decision to yeah. take someone that was on the team last yeah. year and send them through waivers. Nosik no would surprise me in a good way, meaning I would be surprised if he <laughs> actually did what was right for the hockey team. You know, I, I think what annoys me is that Jim Montgomery, Don Sweeney, they preached. And, and, and so far, you know, I like Jim Montgomery, but in the offseason, they, you know, they made an emphasis to, to say to the media, you know, best players are going to make this team, best players are going to play. And that that has just been they, – they haven't lived that out, at least consistently. I mean, yes, they're giving A.J. Greer a look on the third line. That's great. Um, but, like, uh, A.J. Greer, McLaughlin, and, and Stanika were one of your more effective lines, uh, you know, throughout preseason. I, you know, obviously in New Jersey they could have played better – but they were they were a good threesome. They they showed they showed um, you know good chemistry and, and good good compete. But so how does that how does one they're all on the same line they're all contributing equally on that line, and then Greer rightfully so gets a look on the third line with Coyle and Smith. McLaughlin gets sent down to Providence, and Stanika is apparently on a fifth line right now. So. It, I just don't understand how, how one line can accomplish something together. And then all three guys have much different fates. And it's like, why is, because, and for, for full transparency, I should probably read off what the lines were today. Cause this is like the first practice where uh, it was kind of a condensed roster. And Nick Felina was on the left with Bergeron and DeBrusque. You had Zaka, Krejci and Pashnak, Greer, Coyle and Smith. Fourth line was Frederick on the left, no six centering Lauko. And then obviously Hall, who's in a um, no, no contact jersey with Stanika and Wagner is kind of like the extras. And it's like, well, what did what did Nosek do in camp to be over Stanika on that fourth line spot? I just don't get it. Like, I don't understand the rationale. And, and yeah, I, so it's just it's mixed messaging to me. And I don't really understand it. Like with Felino, somebody on Twitter, a lot of people on Twitter um we're kind of uh disgusted with the, the Felino on the first Brian line. could one of them have been at Brian D Felice underscore yes one was actually mm. also at Bridget Pru um, no yeah well and others and others but well there's least- a lot of problems with the way that this practice this press practice sorry uh lineup shook out in my mind like there's there's several flaws the well, Felino one yeah well I'm, I'm, I want to get you guys' opinions on it but the first thing I'll say is at least with Felino on that line, and like, I, and I brought this up last podcast because I know how the Bruins think. I just do. They, they, they liked all the fans and all the people that cover the team all think one thing. 
but then the Bruins do the opposite because we know what they're going to do. And with Felino, I know their I know their rationale, right? He's he's a proven guy in the league. He's been a leader, a captain, and he said all the right things in the offseason. He knows he sucked last year. He wants to prove, prove everybody wrong. He feels better about his game, blah, blah, blah. So the Bruins are sitting here saying, well, what better time to give him an opportunity to prove himself right than in the beginning of the season with Patrice Bergeron as your center? If Patrice Bergeron can't get him going early on, then we know that this car just can't start. And so I understand their rationale. I just don't necessarily agree with it. Yeah, and it's – so Montgomery didn't fully, like, commit to, you know, that being, like, his opening night line. He basically said, well, you know, there's a couple different people we want to give looks there. We haven't seen Felino with Bergeron and DeBrusque yet this preseason. Um, so we wanted to get them there, you know, at least for one practice. We'll see if it carries over into Friday's practice and then Saturday's preseason finale. I wouldn't be surprised if we see DeBrusque Bergeron Smith at some point as well, because Montgomery also named that as a possibility on Wednesday when he was asked about it. So there's a few different combinations there, but yeah, I mean, they, I don't know. It seems like they, it's a dizzying they number. see something or, or they want to see something with, Felino that I'm not seeing that I don't think any of us are, but um, yeah, to Brian's point, like it, it does. If he flops there, then like that does at least provide some clarity on, on exactly where he's at. But, you know, ideally you're just icing your, your best lineup on opening night and not, you know, giving someone a shot. on one of your top two lines just to see, like just to kind of see what happens. So by this, by the same logic, you could throw Frederick there (laughs) by the same logic. I mean, doesn't mean either of them are good options. (laughs) And really like, I feel like I'm so dizzy by this like roster, like rotation that I'm just like, I'm going to throw up. (laughs) It's just so many, too many options. They've not, they've not settled on anything necessarily though. The check line looked really good. Um, but then if Hall's ready, you know, the check line gets broken up, probably Zaka probably goes to the first line. Um, but yeah, there, there's some issues before we get to the check line. Um, there's some issues with how they had their practice lines. I mean, I think it's, it's great. They had Greer up with Coyle and Smith just tried out. Like he, he maybe even played well enough to end up on the third line rather than a fourth line role. Um, Frederick Nosek Lauko to me is like, that's the extra line. In my mind, that was not the fourth line. That was like the extra line. I don't know. I think Stanika, when he played with DeBrusque and McLaughlin in that last game against New York, they, they look good. They look pretty fast. You know, they, they looked on top of things and um, I thought they had a, had a decent night. So it's kind of disappointing that McLaughlin, who's someone that he, he looks NHL ready, um, doesn't get a chance to start on the team. He, he is absolutely NHL ready. And it's not just because his last name is McLaughlin, right? We all know, we all know somebody like that. Who's yeah. Just we're we're just, just to be clear. We're not sending Scott McLaughlin down to the minors. <laughs> um, no, no. Mark McLaughlin is absolutely ready to take on the role of a responsible fourth line NHLer. And, you know, Jim Montgomery's comments about, well, we want to send him down to Providence and, and play him in all situations and work on his details. It's like, Look, I understand that for somebody like Fabian Lysel right now, but Mark McLaughlin 
you know, he's, he's a, he's not, he's not, he's not an 18 year old kid who just got drafted. Like he's probably what, 22, 23, maybe. And you know, played three. Yeah. Yeah. You know, had, had, a, had a solid career in the, um, you know, at, at Boston college and had an experience in the Olympics and came to Boston last year and just showed maturity. And, and again, this year in camp, like he makes things happen. He's all around the puck. He's making the right plays, um, plays that coaches love to see that skilled players oftentimes shy away from. And, you know, if you're watching on TV, like you, you just always see him around the puck and always trying to make plays and be responsible defensively and just be hard to play against. And you can't tell me that Mark McLaughlin doesn't make that fourth line and that Boston Bruins team better when he's on it. And it's like, it's really, so we're playing this game. We, we want to appease Frederick and Nosek and, and Felino. Why? Why? Because they were signed last off season and you, you don't want your, your prior signings to look even worse. And it's just stubbornness and I don't like it. And yeah, it's just annoying to me. No, I feel like for all those reasons, it's a hard, it had to have been a hard pill to swallow when you're, when you do everything right. And it's just like, what else could I have done? Like for, for all the reasons Brian just said, like, it can't be easy to hear that, that news if you're McLaughlin, because it's like, you almost feel a little bit like helpless. Like, what could I have done? Like I did everything. So, you know, that the decision isn't based off that off of skill or, or anything. And, and it almost feels like, okay, well, at what point in time do they, they decide to ditch these guys that that they that technically beat me out even though they didn't play better and when will I get that chance so well and it's also interesting that like Montgomery highlighted the offensive part of his game is like the part that's there he said his offensive production his tenacity on pucks his ability to score all that has shown through um that like that's the part of the game that Mark McLaughlin really had to work on in college like the the other stuff, like the details, the, the defense, that was really what his game was always built on. Like when he got to BC, he was a fourth liner. And, you know, it was the offensive side of his game that had to develop over four years for him to eventually get on NHL teams' radars. And so now to hear like Montgomery be like, yeah, the offensive part of his game's there, but, you know, he needs to work on his details and physicality. It's It, it does come off as you know, like, I don't want to say completely disingenuous because Mark McLaughlin is not a finished product and there are absolutely things he can work on in Providence. Like, I, you know, I don't, I don't want to sit here and like act like he's a perfect player or anything, but those, those other parts of his game, like if they're off at all, they're not that far off NHL level. And it's not, not anything that like he needs an extended stint in Providence to figure out. Like, I think it's stuff he can work through here and, and grow here at the NHL level. And it's, it's like, especially weird seeing Lauko as the fourth line right wing on Thursday, because he, it, that's his off wing. He's barely played there. And I wonder if part of that is just like now very late in camp, they want to get him more reps with actual NHLers because I think you can tell from like, so there was, the very first practice where like everything was jumbled and he was with Krejci and Pasternak. Then for like a while after that, he basically wasn't playing with NHLers. He was on like one of those sixth, seventh, eighth lines in camp. And I think he almost like just so drastically outperformed where he was in the lineup that there might be part of them. That's like, you know what, for a couple practices here, like let's put him with actual NHLers and see how he looks. And like, I, and I could, like I said earlier, I could still see 
Lauco being like the final cut that's made. But in the meantime, if like if that's actually what they're rolling with, it's like McLaughlin had multiple preseason games playing with NHLers, playing on what looked like a good fourth line with Stanika and Greer and looked ready. And like now it looks like there's a chance that you're going to go with someone who is playing his off wing and really hasn't played there this preseason. And, you know, I don't know. It, it, it is just like an odd situation and it doesn't, it, it's hard to feel like you absolutely feel like McLaughlin got sent down because he could basically. And like I said earlier, you know, I think they're going to ride it out with the veterans before they really have to make a decision on them. And you know, on the one hand, like that's an understandable business decision, but on the other, it's like, then don't tell us all summer and all camp that the best players are going to play because this really doesn't look like that. And that, that what, happens, what else that could happens they say, with, though? like that happens with every team happens in every sport. Yeah. And I get that everyone says it, but it's just like, I don't know, at a certain point, like you kind of get sick, you kind of just roll your eyes because it's like, you know, that's not actually true. You know, that the Bruins and a bunch of other teams aren't actually throwing their 23 best players out there. And it's discouraging to those younger guys that want to make the team. It's been discouraging for Jackson in the past. It's this year, it's McLaughlin. Like some of these guys, like they know that they have it in them and then, and they hear what coach says, you know, the best players will make the team. And then once again, it's like, okay, that's not what happened. It's just a line that they give because they have to say that, like, they're not going to be like, Oh, most of the best players will make the team. And then some of these stiffs, because we don't know what else to do with them. Like, right. no, that you can't, it doesn't sound great like that. Oh. Um, and talking about McLaughlin's offense, you know who he can finish better than Trent Frederick, Tomas Nosek. So like, he has the offensive upside that I'm Frederick hasn't been able to show and Nosek definitely has not been able to show. So it's frustrating. Sure. But that's, um, that's such a great point bridge. I'm glad you brought that up because the fact of the matter is like you, you need, and Scott has said in the past, like last year, Bruce Cassidy was perfectly content with rolling out a fourth line that just didn't get scored against. Right. But like, if you want, if you want to, accomplish your goals as a team you need somebody who can score on every single line obviously not at the same rate but mark mclaughlin especially in, you know from the dots and in he can finish he, he's your he's your best finisher on out of those fourth line candidates and it's like it just it, it's like yeah there's business decisions as to why they probably elected to go with with you know some of the guys in the contract some of the veterans and they want and they want to give them a little bit of leash to start the year and 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 and, you know, push it off, push off till tomorrow what they can, you know, do today, quite frankly, with when it comes to figuring out their roster and a cap situation. But it's like, at the end of the day, it's irresponsible to the team because you have, you have um, Brad Marchand and, and Charlie McAvoy, they're out to start the year, as we've talked about at nauseum. And it's going to be very important for the Boston Bruins to get a good start this year. And in my opinion, it's like, yeah, sometimes a fourth line wins you a game in October. Like sometimes it takes a garbage goal from McLaughlin in the slot, but I can tell you who's not getting it. And Bridget just mentioned them. No sec, Frederick, they're just not. And you know why I know that? Because they've never shown it in the Bruins sweater. Um, not consistently enough, at least. And, you know, obviously like, yeah, what's Montgomery going to say at the press conference or, or, or the, uh, the media availability? He's, you know, when he, when I saw the quote, we want to send him down to Providence, and, you know, get his reps at every, every situation, blah, blah, blah. Okay, you what you're really saying is he didn't have to go on waivers to go down to Providence. That's why he's there. It's it's and it's it's condescending to um to to the fan base who know who know better. 
So yeah, it's frustrating. It does it does remind me of Stanika last year when it comes to like somebody who had a strong camp and they're getting sent a bad message. Um, now I think Mark McLaughlin is one of the. Now last year it, it affected Stanika mentally. My best bet based off of watching McLaughlin and and just hearing him in interviews and, and knowing that he was a, a a captain at BC and he just seems mature beyond his years and I and I feel like he's one of those individuals who will be motivated by this and won't get too down. But still in the moment, it's like, he's, you know, driving down 95 to, to the Dunkin' Donuts center. I'm sure he's pretty pissed off. And yeah, um, he's out, he's out my way now out here near, yeah. near province. <laughs> Do yeah. you think there's a chance we could get him on one of the podcasts this year? Scott, Scott knows him because they're cousins. <laughs> Yeah, I think when he gets called back up, yeah, we'll do we'll do a one on one with him. Scott just follows him to Augusta's at the salad bar. No, no, right. no, I want him. I want him on the pod, like in in this four box. With all of us, yeah. yeah. Uh, but by the way, and I, Scott, I know there's something on, your, on the tip of your tongue, but I just also want to say, like, we're we're talking about this now because it's like news of the day, and like we all know, Mark McLaughlin's going to be playing for the Bruins it could be as soon as like the second week of the season. Like, like it's just opening night rosters we're discussing here, but it's, it's like, we know he's going to be a part of the team. Like it's, it's going to happen. Like he's going to be there. We're not, we don't, we're not under the misconception that he's going to be in Providence all year. We know that's not the case, but because it's the soup du jour, it's just annoying. And we know why he's down there and it's not because of his play. Yeah, exactly. Like these things change fast. I mean, Remember last year was like the first week of the season, Felino and Smith both get injured. And all of a sudden it's like, whoa, like where'd the forward depth go? So yeah, there's always going to be injuries. And sometimes like, especially early in the season as guys ramp up. So we will see McLaughlin again. I, I have to imagine he's probably first or, or second at worst in line for call-ups. Um, you know, I think, if Lauko ends up down there, then, you know, he'll be near the top as well. I don't, despite, you know, being an early cut, I don't think Oscar Steen's too far down the list. Um, but yeah, like it, it, yeah, we'll, we'll see McLaughlin again eventually. But in the meantime, like Brian, you made a good point about them needing to get off to a good start. And, you know, if they had their full roster and, you know, Marsha and McAvoy are going, then I'd say like, okay, maybe you can ride it out a little more with a fourth line that might not be your best, but they might not have that luxury. Like what if, you know, everyone loves, we all love Patrice Bergeron, but what if with DeBrusque and, you know, say it's Felino or Smith or whatever, what if that line like doesn't really score? Like we know a Bergeron line usually does. What if the third line gets off to a slow start because it's not, it hasn't really been set in stone and, you know, Trent Frederick didn't take a job and run with it there. Uh, what if your fourth line, what if those veterans who didn't score last year don't score this year? Like it, what if, you know, as you're implementing this new defensive system with guys being more aggressive, you get a little bit more exposed on a couple of man rushes and give up a few more goals. Like this is all very much in play and you can't get off to too slow of a start. So that's where it's like, I would have rather have just seen them go with their best lineup, even if that meant having to, you know, make a tougher decision to cut one of those veterans. Um, you know, we'll see, maybe they'll get off to a good start and 
it'll all be for naught. And, you know, we'll be like, yeah, you know what? They, they don't really miss Mark McLaughlin as it turns out. Like these guys are doing fine. They can afford to give them some time to figure it out. But if they get off to a slow start, then it's, you know, how long do you ride that? Because it can't, if guys are struggling, you can't ride it for the full two months until Martian and McAvoy are back. Want to talk about something more positive? Because uh, one one group of people that doesn't seem like they'll be off to a slow start is the check line. Um, so that was one of the key takeaways from that fifth preseason game. Pasta makes his preseason debut. He's still not signed, um, but he's there playing with Zaka to his uh, Zaka to the left, Krejci middle, and Pasta. Um, so that line looked like though it has not practiced a lot together, it looked like it w- was together for a long time. I mean, they, they, my assessment of it was they looked first of all, just so smooth. They are creative. It's a line of creative players looked smooth and is a very fast thinking line. So we all know Krejci has, you know, this vision and the eyes on the back of his head, but it just looked like they always knew where each other was on the ice. Um, and by the way, uh, Pasternak spoke after the game and he said, um, we knew that Zaka had the skill and the size, but I didn't know he had the speed because on that goal that Zaka scored, he first of all made a defensive pick in the, in the defensive end, goes on this breakaway, shields the puck and finishes it um, perfectly. So we saw the flash from Zaka that we've been wanting to see this preseason that kind of shows like, okay, now that he's not on the devils and he's with better uh, line mates, this is what you can expect from him. And I hope they see more of it, but that line as, as a whole just looked very cohesive. Um, It was one of the big positives from the last game. Well, I think, um, I think personally Zaka is going to, fit in very well with this hockey team. Um, he has, he has size, skill and youth. And I think he's in the appropriate situation now to utilize all of those. And I think, honestly, I think we're going to be sitting here later this year, next year, the year after potentially. And, um, I think, I think there's a really strong possibility that, that Pavel Zaka for, for Eric Hollow might be one of Don's best moves, uh, as GM of the Boston Bruins. I think it has that much potential upside because Eric Hollow is who he is. He's like, you know, whatever he is, 30, 31 years old. Um, and you know, he's going to, he's going to be a 35 to you know 45 point guy and just kind of what he is. But, you know, I think Pavel Zaka still has a ton of, um, ton of upside. And I, I think he's just scratching the surface and it's, I think it starts this year. Um, David Pashnak is, he's a superstar, right? I mean, he, he comes on the ice for the first time in preseason and just, you, you just see the natural gifts that he has that only a handful of, you know, players in the world kind of have that, that confidence and ability to make play, you know, high end plays at, at that level. And David Krejci, um, I don't want to overreact to one game, but, you just get the sense that again, because speed was never his game, he was always able to kind of change his tempo and, and, and make the game revolve around his pace of play. Um, you know, I think he, I think he, he just showed a ton of confidence and um, like, you know, I've been there, done that. And, you know, it's kind of like, I, I think he's putting anybody's concerns, which I never had these, but anybody who was concerned about the game passing him by, I think can take a deep breath of relief because I don't think that's going to be the case. And it's almost like after that, after, first of all, that no look pass to, to, to create, to Pashnak, it's like, it's just such a phenomenal pass that Eric Holla couldn't make 
the goal that he scored off Pashnak's pass, it's almost like afterwards, like Krejci's just in the corner, like fist bumping people, kind of like under his breath. I'm back, bitches. <laughs> like, just kind of like he's just an absolute smooth veteran, and um, I I can't wait to to watch to watch um, to watch what he does this year with with, with Pashnak and Hall or Zaka, whomever it may be. Uh, and, and when Marshan comes back, I, I just really, really like, you know, when Marshan comes back, you're talking about putting Pavel Zaka down to the third line. And I think when that happens, I think he's going to be a huge benefit to Charlie Coyle and Craig Smith. So I just think, I just really can't wait to see this team um, when everybody's back. Yeah. yeah and you it, get him like you get him confident, you get him, you know, playing. First of all, he's shown that he can play with skilled players. Like he's now done it with both Bergeron and with the, Krejci Pasenak line you get him going he fills in well there and then you're right like eventually when if and when everyone's healthy he ends up on the third line I think he's going to be such a big upgrade over what they've had there and what they have there now like it becomes like an overqualified third line like he's it he seems to be well, overqualified for that spot yet he you know, it's just going to be that much more depth for the Bruins. When you, when you have a third line, you can roll out there with someone with skill like that. Yeah. Well, and that's what you need to win a Stanley cup. Like you, absolutely, you, you need, you need a third line. That's much better than an average third line. Mm -hmm. So, and the Bruins haven't had that for a couple of years now in part because they've always been missing like at least one piece there, you know, last year, Trent Frederick has a decent stretch and then cools off and ends up a healthy scratch in the playoffs as we've already discussed, like he has not taken a job and run with it this preseason. In fact, it looks like he's lost it to AJ Greer for the time being. Um, you know, we, we like what AJ Greer has brought so far. And by the way, I'll, I'll tease now that uh, I had a one-on-one -on -one with AJ Greer on Thursday that we'll be posting uh, as a podcast. Um, but, you know, is, is a guy that I think could be on the verge of like, breaking through and finally establishing himself as something of a late bloomer, but is also a guy who has three goals and I think 47 career NHL games. So like, let's not totally lose our mind and pencil him in as like a bona fide top nine forward just yet. Um, you know, Felino, they're paying him like he should be able to play there, but we know he, he hasn't played to that level. So yeah, if that's where Zach ends up, like that's a huge, upgrade over over what they've had um on crazy there was besides the goals there was another play he made wednesday night that like it almost made me laugh where to brian's point about like him just being kind of smarter than than everyone and and you know not needing the speed he had the puck in the neutral zone and there was a back checker who was clearly going to catch him had much more speed than he did and he like just sort of gave him like a little shoulder fake and like got got the back checker like lunging to that side of his body and then just like sort of pivoted away and like kept skating through the neutral zone and it was like it was like just so calm and it was like oh yeah like he he faked him out good <laughs> like he's such, he's, such, he's such a good hockey mind he really yeah. is i mean I, that's why i can't have conversations i i know I, i've mentioned this before i can't have conversations with people who don't like krejci and like anyone who tries to tell me this season that krejci is worse than hala and they would rather have hala like i almost feel like ending the conversation with those people immediately because it's not even a conversation like i think people who think krejci isn't a good hockey player don't understand 
um, his game or the game or why he's important to the team. So I get in these arguments with people all the time yeah. and I almost just like always end them early. Cause I'm like, I don't even need to hear what you're going to say right now. Cause I, you've, you've already made, made yourself look stupid. Like this is, yeah. Preachy is an upgrade over Hala above and beyond. Um, and you want to know why he, like we mentioned, he's got this great hockey mind. He thinks quicker and he's able to get Pasternak the pass over for that one timer a few seconds quicker which makes him more potent from that spot so it's like first of all he fakes it he's not telegraphing the pass second of all he's getting it over there quicker and right on his tape so it's so much easier for Pasternak to score in those kind of situations um you can't argue it I'm sorry I mean when when I when I watch David Krejci play and, and it's I've thought this forever since I've been watching him, he just, he doesn't chase the game. Like he dictates where plays going. He knows where the puck is going to be. So he's never, you know, he's, he's, he's not a dog chasing its tail. Like you see some guys doing out there, like where there's, they're just kind of aimlessly, you know, forechecking or, you know, going at a defenseman who's like, you know, um, neutral zone regrouping or something like that. Like it just waving a stick, like crazy doesn't chase the game. He know he knows where the play is. He knows where the play is going to be. And, and he's, he's just a very, very cerebral mind. And, and Scott's mentioned in the past, and it's very true. He has a very underrated defensive game. I mean, he's not, it's not, he's not just a, you know, all offensive mind. Like he, he thinks the game in all three zones very well. And he understands time and space and all that good stuff. So um, yeah, I, I, anybody who says that David Krejci is not good at it. I mean, I, they must be blind. I mean, if, if somebody, if somebody wanted to make the argument in the off season, oh, uh, they shouldn't bring him back a 35 year old he's washed up i just dis- i disagreed with that sentiment but if you want to die on that hill be my guest he's gonna this is why pretty quick and I think this, kind of this is why we can't have nickel pan on the podcast oh well i'll talk i'll i'll, I'll slap some sense in the neck when i see him next um <laughs> but yeah no it's it's a it's a great addition and um did you guys happen to hear david pashnak's comments after the game when talking about i think it was kevin paul dupont was, was did, did he go down to MSG, yeah, he, was, he, he, was, he almost like a one-on-one post-game sit-down with them, and he was he was confusing David quite a bit with some of his long-winded questions. But like, he he would answer a question, and he'd be like, "Wow, uh, what, what what was the question again?" Like, um, <laughs> he's like, "Guys, my first language is English, so yeah, please yeah. <laughs> please make it short and sweet." Yeah, but uh, he 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 did speak to um, he was pretty much asked like, "If you're gonna miss playing with Bergeron and." Uh, and he just went into detail about the difference between playing with her, with him and, and Krejci and just like how they di- they played different styles and sometimes it complements different opponents. Um, but he's looking forward to whoever he plays with, and uh, I, I look forward to watching it. So, uh, but yeah, that 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 line of um, Zaka, Krejci, and Pashnak, Scott. Do you think that's a? You don't think that's a threat to Taylor Hall being there at some point, do you? I don't think so. No, I still think that's where Hall ends up once he returns, which again could be as early as opening night. Um, mainly because I think, I think the Bruins really like the idea of Hall, Krejci, Pasternak, and I think all three of those players really like that idea. They've all, any time like you asked one of them about it, whether it was off season or preseason, it's like their their faces just light up. Like they all love that idea of playing together, and that's not a knock on Zaka because I think you know I was gonna say as I... Pasternak said, like, like he, he was impressed with his speed. Zaka's a good player; he's made a good impression so far. But ultimately, I, he, as we said, like he figures to be a third liner. Marshan figures to go right back with Bergeron. 
So at some point you're going to get to Paul Krejci Pasternak anyways. And I think the earlier you get there, the more games they get together, the better. I understand why Brian asked the question though, because I do also get the sense they liked playing Zaka. Like it, it seemed pretty natural. Um, and like the fact they're all countrymen, I'm sure they, they enjoy that. So it's like, I could see them enjoying either situation with Zaka or, or with Hall. I do agree that Hall is still going to be there, but I understand like they're going to have fun either, no matter who's on that, that left side with them, if it's Zaka or if it's Hall and yeah. So when Hall comes back, he'll probably slot in there Zaka to the first line, but if they ever do need to, to make a change and, and get one of the lines going, they know that they could potentially go back to that yeah. Zaka, the, the, the check line, which I know we're putting the cart ahead of the horse here because we're thinking all the way into the future and what, you know, adjustments that we don't even know if they're going to need to make, but that's where we are right now. I mean, it, it can absolutely be a, be a spark plug situation where the team is kind of dead and you want to change things up for a game. But yeah, I, Taylor Hall will be there as he, as he should be there. And um, I also want to get you guys' opinion real quick on, on Jake DeBrus because I, I think he's quietly had a pretty good camp and um, he seems like, <laughs> you know, the elephant in the room, but he has a, he has a, um, you know, uh, a pretty transparent monkey off his, off his back now who's currently in Las Vegas. And I just think that, um, you know, for better or worse, I, you know, the way you can agree with the brusques, you know, mindset the last few years or, or not, but the fact of the matter is the reality is he seems to be in a better space right now in Boston. And he, he kind of seems to be, on and off the ice in a situation and at an age where he is set for a potential breakout season uh, or at least set some career highs this year. Um, if he can play to his potential, do you guys get that same feeling as well? Yeah. yeah you, and you I know also what? Think- he played well on his left side. They played him last game left side. Obviously he's been playing right side with Bergeron, but I thought he looked good on the left side too. So, I mean, I think he's got a lot of potential for this season. Sorry to cut you off, Scott. No problem. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, and like, I think, I just think his mindset is so much better and, you know, not just Cassie being gone, but like rescinding his trade request, you know, just being settled, having a contract for two years, knowing he's going to be on Bergeron's line. It's like, I think all of that, like we've seen him that first preseason game, he was with, it was what Beecher and Felino, And he was like the only top nine forward who, traveled for that game and I know like some people had fun with that where it was like oh boy like here we go going to bras you know they, they have obviously Montgomery has some sort of question if he's sending him on the road for the first preseason game and it was like he just went out and played a good game and then came back and practiced with Bergeron again last night he's on a line with Stanika and McLaughlin plays a great game that line dominated and it's like I think those are things that in the past could have maybe affected DeBrusque where like it could have gone into his head of like, what does this mean for me? You know, where does the coach see me? And I just think he's so much more confident that like, even if people on the outside thought that was odd or whatever, I think he just knew like I'm on a line with Bergeron. That's where I'm starting the season, you know, right or left wing doesn't really matter. And he just, I think as, as you guys have said, like, I think he's had a really good preseason. I think the effort's been there watching him in practice. He looks like someone who's having fun, like just everything, body language, all of it is, is so much better than this point last year where, you know, basically right out of the gate, like it, it wasn't good. And, you know, that was only 
it was only like a month into the season that he had that healthy scratch and then the the trade request goes public like that didn't take that that didn't take long wasn't yeah. that it was November. It was against the Oilers or the Rangers, one or the other. I can't remember. I think it may have been the Oilers because didn't he have family in town? Um, I think it was the Canucks. I don't know, but yeah, it was on. It was on that Western trip, I think. Well, no, it was in Boston. He had, uh, he had, he had, he had family visit Boston, and I think it was gotcha. against the Oilers and and or the Rangers. But it was around Thanksgiving. They scratched yeah, him. Yeah. He had family in town. He was embarrassed, whatever. But uh, yeah. So I mean, I think we're on the same page. I think I think we expect you know good things from him. Um, so I don't know if you guys have anything else to, to touch on, uh, on this episode, but before we do go, um, you know, I, I think it's, 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 it's worth mentioning that going what the, the format of the podcast is going to be going forward throughout the season, um, and what to expect as far as episodes being dropped. We want to, um, get into that a little bit, uh, as far as when the people can expect the skate pod starting next week and the frequency. Yeah, so we're we're gonna try to ramp up the production and do three episodes a week. So you know that might more or less like just line up with when the Bruins play. But obviously, you know, there could be some different times. But we're we'll try to do one like within a day of of each game. Um, and you know, basically, from our perspective, like we not to get like too much into the nitty gritty, but like we have kind of been taken under uh, an Odyssey sports podcast umbrella that gives us more resources and, you know, also means uh, more work, but that's, that's great for us. Like that, I think we all love doing this and, you know, for a while it's been almost like just kind of an extra thing that we just do as a, as a passion project. So to now actually like have it, um, you know, to have like some guidance and to have people kind of getting behind it and offering some support, getting, you know, some help with it is going to be great. I think you'll see uh, more, more video clips, more stuff on social from us. Um, And yeah, just like I said, just more content in general, more, more episodes, you know, people have already seen, uh, you know, I'm going to try to have more interviews with players and if we can get players on like an actual podcast like this, that'll obviously be ideal, but at the very least try to do more of these one-on-ones um, like the one I had with Zaboro and one I just recorded today, Thursday with AJ Greer. So um, yeah, you guys, if you have anything else to add, but I think the gist of it is just a uh, m- more content and I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah, no, I think you pretty much explained it, Scott, with, you know, all the extra work we're going to be putting into it, hopefully to get more, um, you know, more content from the players you want to hear from. And we also want to hear from you guys a little bit more, just, um, you know, we might have a mailbag segment here and there where you get to, you know, comment on a, a comment or message us on Twitter or whatever. Um, we actually have an email, I think, don't we? Um <laughs> Uh, let me make sure I get it right, but I think it's <laughs> skatepod at wei.com. So we'll take questions on, on Twitter or, you know, even requests. If you want to like us to ask a player, a certain question, if we get a one-on-one um, we're, we're open to any of that. So I'm um, definitely looking for more engagement now that we have the extra resources that, um, you know, and the extra podcast hours that we'll be doing um, like Scott mentioned three times a week. So. 
Yeah, and and uh, I also think Scott's going to be on Cameo. So if you want to, you know, a birthday or a Christmas present for a member of friend, <laughs> you can offer that. I think, I think Scott's charged like 100 bucks for, for a shout-out or something like that. So Brian, yeah, Brian broke up on... Want- Brian broke up on my screen at the perfect time there, and I only, I only caught pieces of that, so I'm just gonna pretend oh, it didn't happen. Yeah, okay. Well, I think well, I think maybe everyone else heard it, but you know, but uh, Scott's on Scott's on cameo if you if you need him for your holiday, you know, greetings. But all no, all joking aside, um, as Bridget mentioned, like the the listener engagement and interaction is um, something I'm looking forward to doing as well throughout the season, and something that we want to. Um, increase for sure so we're, we're looking forward to it and um i would imagine this is probably gonna be our last episode before we before we do um you know season predictions and, and stuff like that which would be ideally i guess we would probably upload that on probably monday um maybe tuesday the latest but uh, opening night is wednesday um so from then on out you know like like scott said you know three episodes a week for sure and um it might vary a little bit when they come out but like we'll we'll try to be around there their schedule so uh if you guys have anything else yeah i'll also just prepare people for if you're subscribed to us first off thank you because that ultimately number of subscribers is like what matters the most um but you'll notice so part of like the strategy now that we're under this umbrella is like each episode is also gonna be chopped up into like shorter segments and those will be posted separately so that's that's just an odyssey thing. They say like they see good results with it above my pay grade. I don't pretend to like know, you know, what does and doesn't work with all that stuff. I'll leave that to people making more money than me. Um, so, but j- just know like that's coming as well. And if you listen to the full podcast, awesome. Like then, then you don't have to listen to the other stuff, but I think what it helps with is like, if maybe you don't have time to listen to the full episode, you just want to check out, you know, one segment where the topic catches your attention or whatever, like that'll, that'll be an option as well. Yep. So <laughs> you will hear, you will see us plastered all over your phone. If you're subscribing to us. Lucky you. <laughs> four times, four times an episode. Bridget, hey, you, you guys got- might actually get to see our faces. Cause we're going to be putting video up. Like, I feel like people listen and they have no idea what any of us look like. So that might be, that might be helpful. I don't know if you guys want to see our faces, but yeah yeah (laughs) they're like they're gonna be confused when they see that scott's not actually santa claus (laughs) (laughs) because that's his twitter picture (laughs) um should i just start wearing a santa hat every episode yeah (laughs) definitely at least at least once december hits definitely bridget did you have anything else no i'm good scott you're all set yep all good all right thank you guys for listening we'll talk soon Thank you.